This Autoconverse podcast is brought to you in part by Acorns, Grow Your Oak. Acorns helps you grow your money. In under five minutes, get investment accounts for you and your family, plus retirement, checking, ways to earn more money, and grow your knowledge. Take control with all-in-one investment, retirement, checking, and more. Just $1, $3, or $5 a month. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com slash acorns. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash acorns. From Acorns, Mighty Oaks Do Grow. So I've been doing some thinking. Sounds dangerous. Do you think the uprising of the protesting Chinese citizens against the Communist Party will be, oh, how you say, successful? You mean those conspiracy theorists who are denying the severity of this disease and therefore are rebelling against the protective lockdowns that are in place to keep them safe? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, as compassionate as the communist dictators must be, and I'm sure they're empathetically listening to the concerns of their COVID-denying citizens, I don't think the communists will stop the citizens. I think they'll be stopped by fruit. Which one? Apple. But I thought apples were good for you. Apparently not good for human rights, because Apple is working with the communist regime to stop the citizens by installing a new feature on their phones that blocks their ability to airdrop. Is that to stop the citizens from easily sharing photos and videos that they've taken at the protests in order to slow the spread of the uprising's momentum? That was a pretty good guess. Thank you. But yeah, that's what Apple's done. And that's on top of the communist government using bots to flood Twitter with pornographic videos in order to dilute the videos of the protests that are making it out to the world. Which is a strategy I've really enjoyed, by the way. If I didn't know any better, and you definitely don't, it kind of makes Apple look like they're against human rights. Why do you think Apple would be working with the communist government against the citizens who are just trying to take a stand for basic human rights? That was comedian and YouTube creator J.P. Sears offering up his satire about Apple's cooperation with the Chinese government in response to a rise in protest by Chinese citizens against the Communist Party's zero-COVID policy and lockdowns. Sears, as you heard, was pointing out the hypocrisy of Apple, who not only is cooperating with the Chinese government to suppress freedom of speech in China, but has also threatened to remove Twitter from the App Store a developing story that has emerged since Elon Musk, who recently acquired Twitter for $44 billion, tweeted about Apple's supposed threat. Meanwhile, the House has passed a bill to avert a nationwide rail strike, and renewable energy is now predicted to surpass coal by 2025, whatever that means. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right, welcome to another episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I am Ryan Girardi. Great, as always, to be here with you. 
Last week, Substack writer Matt Tabby posted a thread showing former Twitter employees debating the decision to restrict sharing of a New York Post story about Hunter Biden's laptop in the lead-up to the 2020 presidential election. Twitter CEO Elon Musk hyped the release of the so-called Twitter files, saying they would expose how the company, under its previous leadership, engaged in free speech suppression. The screenshots of internal communications reveal that Twitter employees were worried that the Post article could be the result of a Russian hacking operation of a Russian hacking operation. Their ultimate decision to suppress the story drew outcry from conservatives and former CEO Jack Dorsey has said it was a mistake, noting that the company changed its policy on hacked materials as a result. But Tabby's threat did not provide any direct support for Musk's suggestions that Democrats conspired with Twitter to block the article. Tabby wrote, There is no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. Furthermore, the threat exposed the names of ex-Twitter employees and the apparent email addresses of Dorsey and Democratic Rep. Ro Khanna, who criticized Twitter's decision on the Hunter Biden story. And on Saturday, Musk acknowledged that posting some emails was a mistake. Elsewhere in the Twitterverse, while Musk has banned Kanye West's account for tweeting a swastika on a Star of David, he did allow neo-Nazi Andrew Anglin, who created the white supremacist website The Daily Stormer, back on the platform. Musk seems to have dropped his feud with Tim Cook over App Store rules and said that Apple has fully resumed advertising on Twitter. But still, Twitter is hurting financially. Its U.S. ad revenue was reportedly 80% below expectations during the first week of the World Cup. And not meaning to get too far into the political spectrum of things, how about we get into some headlines? To kick things off, the House has passed a bill to avert a rail strike, moving to impose a labor agreement. With a potentially economically devastating nationwide rail strike that has been looming since last month, the U.S. House recently passed a resolution that would force rail worker unions to accept a tentative agreement with management and make any strikes illegal. In a 290 to 137 bipartisan vote, the House approved the resolution just a day after President Biden urged congressional leaders to avert a strike. A second resolution that passed with support from just three Republicans would grant rail workers seven days of paid sick leave, which is a major sticking point in the negotiations. The vote marks the first time Congress has flexed its power to block a national rail strike since the 1990s. Back then, President Biden was one of six senators to oppose the bill that ended a 1992 rail strike, arguing against government interference in labor. Amazon is gutting its voice assistant, Alexa. Employees describe a division in crisis and huge losses on a wasted opportunity. Amazon's voice assistant Alexa was once hailed as the computer of the future and the future of every home. But nearly 10 years later, Alexa is being gutted. Low employee morale, failed monetization attempts, and a lack of engagement across users and developers has led to Alexa and the devices team on Amazon being the prime target of the biggest layoffs in Amazon history. Over a dozen current and former employees told Business Insider that the division is in crisis and the mounting losses and massive cuts underscore the swift downfall of Alexa. 
So I guess we'll have to see if Alexa will even be around in the near future. Elon Musk's Neuralink faces a federal probe and employee backlash over animal tests. Neuralink, which is a medical device company, is under federal investigation for potential animal welfare violations amid internal staff complaints that its animal testing is being rushed, causing needless suffering and deaths. This is according to documents reviewed by Reuters and sources familiar with the investigation and company operations. Neuralink Corporation is developing a brain implant that it hopes will help paralyze people walk again and cure the neurological ailments. The federal probe, which is not been previously reported, was opened in recent months by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Inspector General at the request of a federal prosecutor, and this is according to two sources with knowledge of the investigation. The probe, one of the sources said, focuses on violations of the Animal Welfare Act, which governs how researchers treat and test some animals. The investigation has come at a time of growing employee dissent about Neuralink's animal testing, including complaints that pressure from CEO Musk to accelerate development has resulted in botched experiments. And such failed tests have had to be repeated, increasing the number of animals being tested and killed, employees say. The company documents include previously unreported messages, audio recordings, emails, presentations, and reports. Musk and other Neuralink executives did not respond to requests for comment. In EV news, Tesla has finally delivered its first electric semi-truck. Three years behind schedule, Tesla semis will now join their diesel-guzzling pals in boxing you in on the interstate. Last week, the automaker delivered its first electric semi-trucks, which are expected to be more powerful and able to travel further than any EV currently whizzing down I-80. The first company to get the trucks will be Pepsi, which was in the long haul for the long hauls. It ordered 100 trucks when they were first announced in 2017. The industry is pumped for the Tesla Semi. Right now, electric trucks are limited by their range. Renault's EV Semi, for example, can only travel 125 miles on a single charge. These electric trucks are used only for local and regional trips, so they can charge at factories and distribution centers overnight. But Elon Musk promised that this truck could drive 500 miles on a single charge, a feat that would change the game for adoption of heavy-duty EVs. There are some speed bumps, however. Batteries in these trucks are extremely difficult and expensive to produce, especially right now as lithium, the main component of an EV battery, and other crucial minerals are in short supply. And the amount of electricity required to power EV trucks is staggering. Seriously, the projected power needed to convert a single gas station into a charging station to support smaller EVs and semis by 2035 would be the amount a small town needs. Unlike personal EVs, which have taken off in recent years, EV semi-trucks are still on training wheels. If the Tesla Semi succeeds, it could be a big win for the young commercial EV industry and for Tesla, which needs a boost after its stock plunged more than 50% this year. Domino's buys 800 Chevy Bolt EVs as pizza delivery vehicles. While it may not be your favorite pizza slinger, one has to respect Domino's for being forward-looking. Whether or not it actually launched the first pizza delivery service in 1960, it certainly popularized the idea and more recently has been testing autonomous vehicles and sidewalk robots to deliver pizza. 
At some point before robotic Domino's delivery is commonplace, its pizzas may speed their way to you in an electric car. Last month, the company announced the arrival of more than 100 Chevrolet Bolts to select Domino's locations, with another 700 due by the end of 2023. You can even check on their progress online of Bolt deliveries, not pizza deliveries, although that's possible too, thanks to onboard telematics. Domino CEO Russell Weiner says, Domino's has always been on the cutting edge of pizza delivery, and electric delivery cars make sense as vehicle technology continues to evolve. We've made a commitment to net zero carbon emissions by 2050, and this is one way we can begin reducing our environmental impact one delivery at a time. So I guess that depends on how they're going to charge their Chevy bolts. Ford's new EV dealer network will result in one of the largest DC fast charging networks in the U.S. Last week, Ford announced that two-thirds of its dealers are joining the Model E program to sell electric vehicles. The result is that a third of Ford dealers won't be selling electric vehicles until at least 2027 when the automaker does another round of the Model E network. There are debates about whether two-thirds of Ford's U.S. dealers getting on board with Ford's plans is a good rate or not, but regardless of that, there is a less appreciated result from the deal. Ford is going to get one of the largest DC fast-charging networks in the U.S. Two-thirds of Ford's U.S. dealers add up to 1,920 dealers. From a pure location standpoint, that would make Ford's network the largest DC fast-charging network in the U.S. And that would be way more than EVgo's 850 stations or Electrify America's 800-plus stations and even a little more than Tesla's just over 1,500 superchargers in the U.S. The number of locations is just one metric to judge charging networks and not necessarily the best one. The good news is that 1,659 of the, of the 1,920 dealers on board with Model E will be certified elite tier. That means that the charging network operated by Ford dealers in the U.S. will have a total of over 3,500 fast chargers. And on that note, Tesla has installed 40,000 superchargers around the world. One of the perks of buying a Tesla, other than not using gasoline, is access to Tesla's supercharging network. And throughout most of the United States, Tesla drivers are never too far away from a supercharger. And many gas stations, supermarkets, and businesses have them installed for anyone with a Tesla to use. It is significantly cheaper than gas, according to Tesla, and they offer drivers a way to dump electrons into their Tesla at a max charging rate of 250 kilowatt out- kilowatts. At that rate, it will take about 15 minutes to get 200 miles of range with a Tesla. Now, while EVs are all the rage, hydrogen fuel cell is another emerging technology, and Toyota has built a Corolla that uses hydrogen like gasoline. Hydrogen combustion is a clever tech that skips the fuel cell, that you might be familiar with. When most people think of hydrogen in the automotive space in 2022, they likely think about fuel cells, which convert hydrogen gas into electricity for propulsion. But that's not the only way hydrogen can be used to power a car, as one of Toyota's latest concept vehicles proves. Toyota last week unveiled the Corolla Cross hydrogen concept. Unlike other hydrogen-powered vehicles, this concept does not use a traditional fuel cell. Instead, this car uses the 1.6-liter turbocharged inline-3 combustion engine from the GR Corolla, which has been modified to use compressed hydrogen instead of gasoline. 
So it still follows the same combustion cycle as a gas engine. Fuel and air enter the cylinder. It's compressed and then ignited, then removed. It's just with different fuel. So while this is Toyota's first foray into this technology in road cars, it is not the automaker's first time using compressed hydrogen as a combustion fuel. Toyota already has a hydrogen combustion engine in use in Japan's Super Taikyu endurance racing series, and their efforts have already borne fruit. Over time, Toyota's hydrogen race has brought its performance to near parity with a traditional gas combustion engine, and filling times have dropped from roughly 5 minutes to about 90 seconds. Honda will start U.S. production of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles in 2024. The first model is a plug-in hybrid based on the new CRV. The automaker has revealed that it will begin U.S. production of fuel cell vehicles in 2024. The first model will be a plug-in hybrid based on the current generation CRV. Theoretically, you'll have pure electric driving for your daily commute, but you'll still get zero emissions driving for longer city-to-city jaunts. More details about the hydrogen-powered CRV will be revealed sometime closer to its 2024 launch. Honda is only willing to offer a peak at the power plant. The existing CRV is available as a conventional hybrid with a gas engine and no plug-in feature. The new model is part of a larger Honda strategy to completely drop combustion engine vehicles by 2040 using a mix of pure EVs and fuel cell cars. On top of the hydrogen CRV, Americans can also expect fully electric Prologue SUV in 2024. The brand already sells the electric Honda E subcompact, but not in the U.S. Honda aims to be carbon neutral by 2050. And Rolls-Royce has partnered with EasyJet to create the world's first hydrogen-powered aero engine. This creation marks a major step towards proving hydrogen might be the most viable zero-carbon aviation fuel alternative. This partnership is inspired by the UN-backed Race to Zero campaign, which aims to achieve net-zero carbon emissions by 2050. And on that note, coming up a little bit later, we'll explore a report that projects massive renewable energy growth with some caveats. A pair of new reports shows analysts are getting more bullish about renewables and electric vehicle adoption, and that gaming out the energy future is actually really tough. Driving the news, the International Energy Agency dropped its largest ever upward revision of renewable power forecasts. The IEA sees an additional 2,400 gigawatts of capacity coming online worldwide over the next half decade. We'll come back to this one a little bit later because we have our final segment, which is product recalls, emerging tech product recalls. Ford Mustang Mach-E no longer recommended by Consumer Reports. Based on Consumer Reports' most recent auto reliability survey, the Ford Mustang Mach-E electric crossover is no longer on the publication's list of recommended vehicles. Consumer Reports prioritizes reliability among several other important categories, and the Mach-E's low reliability score robs it of the publication's recommendation. Now, while Ford hasn't yet seen massive EV sales to mirror that of Tesla, the Mustang Mach EV has been selling quite well. It is one of few Tesla rivals that's actually generating plenty of EV interest in the United States. Now, it is the only current EV to lose Consumer Reports recommendation. Interestingly, the Mach E was Consumer Reports' top EV pick for 2022, snagging the Tesla Model's 23 previous spot. 
publication actually went so far to say not long ago that the electric pony had top notch that the electric pony had top notch reliability ratings based on its survey. However, it seems to have changed that. And one other recall, Ford expands the recall of the Escape and Bronco Sport for fire risk. Ford has expanded a recall on newer editions of its most popular compact crossovers equipped with a 1.5 liter engine. A cracked fuel injector in the Ford Escape and related Ford Bronco Sport can leak fuel or vapors inside the engine near ignition sources. This could result in a fire under the hood, which the National Highway Transportation Safety Association disclosed last month. The recall encompasses over 521,000 vehicles and expands on a previous recall issued in March uh, earlier this year. The new number includes the original recall of 345,000 plus Escape and Bronco Sport vehicles for a cracked engine oil separator housing that carried the same risk and showed the same symptoms on the expanded recall. If you are a Bronco or Escape owner within those model years, definitely uh, get on the web and learn more about this recall and contact your local dealer. Coming up. Well, I don't know if I have any insight, but I got opinions. I ain't bashful. Um, you know, you, you're, talk, you're talking a lot about Elon Musk, and we've talked about Elon Musk before. But you mentioned, uh, and we, we've had this conversation about privacy, which is I don't really believe in privacy. I believe privacy was always an illusion, and that illusion has just been been burst. But uh, you said the data is the new oil. But I kind of got on uh, the Elon Musk bandwagon a few years ago because I believe that solar is the new oil. And I thought that was the direction Elon Musk was going when he when he bought Solar City and he was rolling out the panels and he was doing thing, doing everything, tying in his cars with with building the energy. I thought he was building an energy company. Uh, and then a couple of years ago, he kind of pivoted and just started building an, an Elon Musk company. It's, you know, for the for the uh, betterment and, uh, and gratitude of, uh, of, of, of Elon Musk. The following mindset tip is brought to you by Morning Brew. If you are not familiar with the Velcro and Teflon effect, I'm here to break it down with you for a few minutes. Okay. Velcro does what? Velcro sticks together, right? You get Velcro pieces and stick it on fabric or whatever. It sticks, it sticks, it sticks. And then you got Teflon slides off. It just seems that negative things stick together, stick in our minds and our hearts. Doesn't it though? And all of a sudden it sticks and then another thing sticks. Another thing, next thing you know it, I'm not in a good place. You're not in a good place. That's, that's the Velcro. And doesn't it seem like sometimes we could like, I don't know, someone encourage us, someone give us a compliment and, and, and it's not long. Like it doesn't stick too much. It can just slide right off like Teflon and be replaced with something negative that sticks to us like Velcro. The back in the day, human beings, you know, there's something called survival mode. And let's say oh, years and years ago, when our life depended on certain things, okay, we'd get a negative thought or a fearful thought, and it would actually keep us alive. Now, this is back in the day. We, we go, these negative things can actually cause us to go into survival mode. They can actually save our life. But see, how many of us have people chasing us down for our life today, day in and day out? We don't. We don't. We are not meant to just survive. 
we're a chemicals released in our body to keep us alive. We are actually meant to thrive. So in a sense, we want to take the negative Velcro, right? That's there, meant there for a survival mechanism. And we want to help retrain our brains to think more positively. Hey folks, before we continue, I wanted to let you know that some of the headlines and information in this episode are brought to you by Morning Brew, the free business newsletter landing in your inbox every morning. Get the daily email that makes reading the news actually enjoyable and support Autoconverse by using our referral link in the show notes or go to autoconverse.com forward slash brew. Stay informed and entertained for free with Morning Brew. All right, so the clip you heard me play just a few minutes ago was of Terry Lancaster, an automotive insider who was on the live show last month talking with me about the used car market. Now, we'll be featuring that conversation next week on the podcast, but coming up in a moment are highlights from my conversation with Terry about the changing landscape of energy and also the idea of privacy in the modern world. Back to these reports by the International Energy Agency, which show that analysts are getting more bullish about renewables and electric vehicle adoption. As I mentioned, the IEA sees an additional 2,400 gigawatts of capacity coming online worldwide over the next half decade. That forecast is almost 30% higher than last year's edition of the rolling five-year projections. The agency now sees renewables surpassing coal as the largest source of global power generation by 2025. The big picture is that the global energy crisis, triggered hypothetically by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, is bringing unprecedented renewables momentum. Fossil fuel supply disruptions have underlined the energy security benefits of domestically generated renewable electricity, leading many countries to strengthen policies supporting renewables. And more expensive fossil fuels also tilt the playing field towards solar and wind. New analysis from Columbia University's Energy Think Tank explores a wide set of medium and long-term EV projections from 2019 and late 2021. They surveyed investment banks, governments, consultancies, and energy companies. And the analysis sees EVs ranging from 11 to 63% of global passenger car sales in 2030 and from 31 to almost 100% in 2050. Part of this range stems from the kinds of studies they compared, which span modeling under existing policies, scenarios for a net zero emissions pathway, and space in between. The wide range is due to varying degrees of anticipated carbon constraints. And one final takeaway, the 2021 analysis are mostly more bullish on the level of future EV growth than the 2019 takes, sometimes significantly so. So that leads to my question. How can you be part of and benefit from the renewable energy revolution? Well, one effective way is by producing your own electricity from your home with solar panels, which give homeowners a way to contribute energy to the grid and seriously reduce your power bill. Producing solar energy on your roof, on the roof of your home, has been around since the late 70s, but not all home solar solutions are the same, and there are plenty of mixed signals out there about how it works. As an example, listen to this ad from a commercial TikTok channel. That's why I regret buying solar panels in America. Hi there. In case you live in the U.S. and are looking to buy solar panels, I have something really important to tell you. You shouldn't. 
You should not buy solar panels in case you have a home in the U.S. And if you're wondering why, it's because right now, you can actually have the U.S. government buy solar panels for you. No. I'm not joking. Our government recently released a special solar stimulus program. And with the goal to help stop global warming, Americans will be able to get a complete solar system from our government at absolutely no net cost. And that way, go solar with little to no investment whatsoever. All you need to do is simply click the button below this video to take a quick survey our government provided, and by the end, you'll be qualified. So please, don't spend your own money on solar panels like I did, and click the button below this video now to qualify for this special program and have the U.S. government buy solar panels for you. Hey folks, before we continue, I'd like to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, Apricot Solar. As a listener of this podcast, you hear me talking about rising demand for electricity. And with an increase in demand, you can count on price increases. One way to combat this price hike is with energy independence by producing your own electricity. And one of the best ways to produce your own electricity at home is with solar energy. But not just any home solar energy system. The best way to go is with Apricot Solar. We experience the benefits of solar daily. They are real and undeniable. And even though it's been decades since its invention, there's still a lot of misinformation surrounding solar energy. As an example, the clip you heard me play earlier about solar costing you nothing was from a TikTok channel, and it is misleading. Apricot is here to change that. And that is why Apricot Solar wants homeowners to experience just how affordable and logical solar can be. From custom solutions to installation to financing, Apricot is your leading full-service solar provider, and we currently serve customers in almost every state, including, but not limited to, California, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, Florida, Colorado, Utah, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and many others. Together with homeowners, Apricot is working to make this clean energy source mainstream, saving you big dollars in the process. We believe the time is finally here to do energy differently. We have to be smarter. There is a better way, and more and more people are understanding that it is right in front of us. At Apricot, solar is finally simple. We want your solar switch to be as smooth and seamless as possible. We are here to answer your questions, and a visit to your home is how we set a plan that makes the most sense for you and your family. You do not get just solar panels. With Apricot, you receive a complete net zero home system with service to match. Every component is designed to work together perfectly, from those first rays of sunlight hitting your roof to flicking on your light switch. Find out more by going to autoconverse.com forward slash solar or text the keyword solar to 855-766-7585 and get started today. You will be glad that you did. And now for my conversation with Terry Lancaster about energy and privacy. Here is Terry kicking things off in response to some of the developments that were occurring last week on the show. But uh, I think a lot of what's going on is because uh, I don't know that we're reaching the end of the oil era, but we're reaching peak oil. And there's some other things are going to come along to power things. Uh, GM building the home uh, 
the, 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 that the home uh, charging capacity. Ford has done the same thing. The Ford Lightning can power your home. It can be used as a home. Uh, it's not a generator because it doesn't generate. A, maybe it doesn't. I think it does have a generator on it. But you can power your home and your worksite on your Ford Lightning. So this, uh, we're, I think we're, I think we're coming into an era where maybe we're getting away from all the lines scattered around the country, moving electricity from here to there, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get back to the uh, to the original tesla idea which was that uh, air would I mean would energy would just be everywhere and everyone would have micro generators and every home would be would be self-sufficient and self-powered and we wouldn't need all these uh all these uh big uh big power and wires going everywhere and uh, the intrusion into our privacy so i think tesla kind of started all that maybe if it maybe if it uh or must kind of started all that lately even if that wasn't what he intended but uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that's where the direction it's going well, let's unpack that a little bit. I mean, you bring up energy and privacy, two very different things, obviously things I'm passionate about and, and, and incorporated in this podcast. It's really been over the last year that I started to realize uh, fr from this podcast, specifically pivoting into energy and sustainability. And, you know, there, there's a, there's an, you could say there's a power grab going on in the world. It's an, it's an energy grab who is going to, uh, own and provide the energy the fossil fuel industry has been the dominant uh player now for what would you say 150 years yeah. and here we are we have the technology and, and the advancements to provide alternate sources of energy like you brought up solar i agree uh there are i'm starting to realize now that every building has sh should be equipped to capture whatever solar energy that it can, uh, and probably wind too. Uh, every building should be able to source, I think, energy on its own, not for itself, but to feed into the grid system, because that's how it works now. If you source your own ener uh, energy, whether through solar or wind or water, you actually have to give it to the utility, to the, to the grid, and then you get credits for what you provide, and you use those credits to, to to use what you want to consume. And you I almost think of every home and every building now as its own rechargeable battery. And that yeah. is where Tesla's headed. Tesla provides that power wall. And the whole idea of the power wall is that it uses solar to recharge itself. And then you have, you, you have your own self-sustaining power. Um, and so that is actually what's happening. And I think yeah. we're, we're clearly headed into the world. If you, I think if you look, might not be on your utility bill, but if you look at utility companies, they are required by law to uh, to clarify what percentage of their energy comes from which sources. So you got like nuclear and fossil fuel, wind, water, and solar. And typically, I think the amount of solar energy that a utility company has is, you know, they might be required to have like 10% of their energy come from solar. That's going to differ from state to state state to state that's going to differ what those requirements are but you're right i think like you going back to, to to elon musk did he set out to 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 launch tesla as a car company or an energy company you know yeah uh, and all these car companies are turning into energy companies they're going from mobility to energy and they they kind of go hand in hand 
I wish I had a great question for you, but you look like you want to say something. I don't. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just riding the wave. I, I think all the, uh, the the transportation companies saw the success that the tech companies had with the uh, the entire service as a subscription thing. And uh, they started wondering, why are we selling this car one time for $30,000 when we can sell it every single month? And, and they're all going to some kind of subscription thing. And uh, I, I think eventually you're going to see it become transportation as a service. And they're all going to get into that thing. It's all just going to get buttered in and you're just going to write a check every month. And probably some governmental agency will get in for the same way with electricity. Electricity should be everywhere. But for some reason, uh, you know, it's all it's all government owned and operated in, in Tennessee. The water belongs to the to the government. If you know, if the rainwater falls from the sky, it legally belongs to the uh to the county, you, 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 before you can collect it, you have to get permits and, and things. So even collecting your own rainwater, eventually they'll do the same thing with the sun. Probably you can't collect the sun's power that belongs to us. You got to sell it back to us, and we'll we'll sell it back to you at a at a thing. So the, yeah. the, pe- the people with the big hands in your pockets are going to keep their hands in your pocket no matter which way they go go for it. Yeah, I don't think there's a way around that because you're right. Yeah, if if you're on the grid, which you are and you source your own energy, you have to give it to the grid and, and then buy it back. It still makes sense. If you think about it, if you, have an EV, if you have an electric car and you can source your own energy out of your house, you can eliminate your gas bill for the most part. And your, and your, your house through something like solar is sourcing that energy. So if you're charging your car at your house, which you would be, you're, you're going to require more energy from the grid. And as long as your house can provide that, then you you actually are eliminating your gas bill if you have an electric car and provide your own if you do something like solar you can eliminate your gas bill which i think is a great incentive should be yeah but to your point it is centralized and you don't really have control over it but control for me like you is like privacy it it's an illusion you don't really have control exactly <laughs> It's all and it's always been an illusion. We keep struggling forward, hoping we'll find it, but it's there's no there there. Yeah, but don't you think it's important to um, to be in the know about what private what information you are giving and what's being done with it? Do you not do you not think that's important? I, I am in the know. I assume everything I done I do is available for public knowledge and public consumption and always has been. Ever since you put a phone in your pocket, ever since you put a credit card in your pocket, ever since you had a checkbook, someone knows what you're doing with your money, where you're spending your time, how, how you're living. Um, and, and before that, go back to the indigenous people that lived here thousands of years ago. They lived in the communities of 100 or 200 or 300 people and everybody knew everybody's business. The shaman lived next door. There was no there was no privacy. If you need if you needed to put a new patch on your teepee, the people who sold teepee patches could see your teepee and they didn't have to to get on your smartphone to figure out what you were looking for. They could see. So it's it's always been out in the open. So, you know, it's in terms of knowing, just assume that everybody knows everything about you. But what about the idea that that the data that you're giving away is is being used by companies in ways that might compromise your values. Does that not concern you? Um, the, uh, the, 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 actually I, I like it because I, I want to, you know, I, I want Facebook to bring me the advertising that I want. I want Google to show me relative, relative information. Um, 
the data that I'm, yeah, I'm not sure how it could compromise my values because I'm not doing it. If it compromises my values, I need to stop doing whatever that is compromising my values and, and not do, do that thing. And if I'm supporting a company that I can't, you know, compromise their values, I don't really put my values on, I don't transport, you know, I don't, I, I can listen to music by people I don't like. I, you know, I, I can buy stuff from stores I, I, I don't like. I don't tr put, I don't tr try to transfer my values onto everything. But if I'm doing something, then then I stop doing that. Do, doing that. But really, there's just so there's only so many things I can control. I can control what's happening with me right here, right now, and so I do my thing and let everybody else do their thing. Yeah, I guess I look at I think analogy I could give is if when you invest into stocks and mutual funds, and it's and there might be companies that um, don't necessarily aren't consistent with your values. So you have a choice to say, well, I don't really want to put my investment money into that. Right. And I look at data in the same way. It's I'm providing this predictive behavioral information to companies that might be using it for purposes that that are not consistent with my values. So to me, it's important to know and understand what's happening with that information uh, so that you can always if you don't have a choice, to me, that's dictatorship. Yeah. And but you and do I, have a choice. Choice is important. That's what I'm asking you. Yeah, you do have a choice. Put put down your phone if it's that important to you. Don't 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 carry your phone. Uh, I'm just uh, you know I, I my values are my values, and just because you know I, I invest in uh, my, my my stock, I invest mostly in is in VT. It's every stock in the it's the uh, Vanguard's total stock market. It's pretty much every stock in the world. Uh, I don't assume every stock in the world shares my values and I don't want to impose my values on, on every stock in the world. But by, by investing in every stock in the world, I'm, I, I hopefully we'll have we'll see some aggregate growth there. Um, but that's separate from how I how I live my life. You know. Well, I agree. Privacy is uh, is to some extent an illusion. Um, and uh, I. I guess I'll just settle with it. It's, I, I think it's important to have a choice on what you do with your information. Yeah. Um, and that involves like, you know, what phone you use. Are you either going to be with Google or Apple? Who's your carrier? Verizon, T-Mobile. Does Sprint still exist? I don't even know if Sprint still exists. Um, I believe they're part of T-Mobile. I believe they're, they're, yeah. they're merged now. Yeah. I feel like the name went away. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, you're, you're choosing uh, who you, who's going to provide you that access. Um, and, and even the apps on your phone, right? The apps on your phone are providing whatever information. It's really your location, your behavioral stuff that, that's, that's valuable to these companies. Um, so I just believe choice is important, but you're right. It's an illusion. You can't have total privacy. There's no such thing. Um, and that's a good analogy about your local community, you know, even, even back in the indigenous days. All right, that is a wrap. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode. Be sure to text the keyword AutoConverse to 855-766-7585. We will send you a link to get subscribed to our YouTube channel and to the podcast. And you'll also get occasional text messages from us for our live show. That's the best way to get tuned in and dialed in to the live show. Also, be sure to text the keyword SOLAR to 855-766-7585 if you are interested in learning how to seriously reduce your power bill at home or you want to create an additional revenue stream 
or if you want to create an additional income stream in the solar business. On a closing note, for the first time this month, all three major indexes closed higher on the same day. And despite a small bump yesterday, oil has been slumping hard, which has been nothing short of fantastic news for American drivers. U.S. gas prices, now averaging lower than $3.33 a gallon, are lower than they were in February when Russia invaded Ukraine, which caused oil and gas prices to spike. And while lower gas prices are a welcome holiday gift for drivers, they're also a pessimistic sign for the economy. Demand for fuel is dropping as the world hunkers down for a potential recession. And one final note. Remember the implosion of cryptocurrency exchange FTX last month? Well, former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, who's been on a whirlwind apology tour in the media, is failing to convince industry leaders that he did not commit massive crimes. Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz told Bloomberg, The reality is that Sam and his cohorts perpetuated a fraud. And in an interview with TMZ, Mark Cuban said that SBF should be afraid of going to jail for a long time. Frankly, I think there is more to the story, but that is not something we are able to explore on this podcast just yet. So we will leave it with that. Take care, everybody. Ciao. This is Audiburst Media.